Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. All right, today on the show, we've got Ken Wimberly with us. Really glad to have Ken on board. He's a real estate investor, Keller Williams franchise owner. He's co-founder of Laundry Love, which is a chain of mission-driven laundromats, and also Legacy of Love. This is a parent-to-child journaling app designed to capture moments, memories, and lessons to be passed down to future generations. Um, Love all that stuff. Can't wait to dig in. Ken, welcome. How are you? Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're talking before the show about our, you know, common uh, Texas, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in San Antonio, you're in Fort Worth, definitely some real estate overlap. We talk a lot about investing on the show, typically, but I, I want to dig into some other stuff with you. But um, just to kind of kick it off for, for folks that haven't connected with you, a little bit of your background and how'd you get into, um, how'd you get into, I guess, the Keller Williams franchise to start and, and um, you know, how, how, did, how did that end up transpiring? Sure. Well, I got in the commercial real estate business back in, in 2002. Sure. So uh, I, prior to that, I was in the uh, restaurant business. Prior to that, it was in the insurance and investment world. And uh, entered the commercial real estate business 2002, did mostly land brokerage for the first six years of my business. Most of my clients were residential developers, and I would go help them assemble you know, 50 to 300 acres, they would go then plat, plat it, plan it, sell it off to home builders. And sometimes they would have commercial out parcels and I'd help them sell those out parcels. And then the brokerage business eventually led me to start investing in real estate. So I was watching what deals were being done. And so started to uh, form some partnerships, do some deals uh, in the land mostly initially in the land side of things. I had a couple of single family investments as well, but mostly in the, in the land side of things right there. And uh, eventually joined uh, Kel Williams with KW Commercial in 2009. So it's been what, 11 years now that I've been with, uh, with KW. And that's been just a real game changer for me. That, that honestly was Gary Keller and Kel Williams that started my mindset shift in life and started opening up my mind to personal development and growth. And through Kel Williams, ended up getting involved, uh, you know, or learning about um, GoBundance. And uh, during the time at Kel Williams, I learned about Tony Robbins and, and his uh, shows and started, anyway, started a whole path of growth and development on there. And as I, as I, started investing more and doing more, an opportunity opened up for me to become a, a Kel Williams franchisee. So we opened up a, a Kel Williams office in Abilene, Texas. And we've had that for coming up on five years now. And we're looking at it doing another right now where we're kind of incubating a second office in San Angelo, Texas. So that's been a, a cool growth pattern there as well. Yeah, no doubt. You know, Gary Keller, um, people ask about what books to read for real estate investing. And He's got that book, uh, Millionaire Real Estate Investor. And yep. I mean, that book was just 
pivotal to me. I mean, just pivotal. I think there's the kind of the rich dad, poor dad stuff, which I think maybe gets people introduced to the concept of real estate investing, not real heavy on the, uh, on the tactical stuff, but you know, Gary Keller's book, uh, that blue one millionaire real estate investor, just a phenomenal resource. And that was a life changing thing for me many years ago now, but, uh, you know, I feel like I owe him a debt of gratitude, even though I've, I've met Jay pops on his partner and had some conversation with Jay. I've never met Gary, but he's had a huge impact on my life. You and me both. You and me both. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's a, uh, he is a true visionary and sees things just miles ahead of the rest of the world. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, that's, that's, that's awesome to be able to get into, into that orbit, into that atmosphere. I mean, as, as you and I both know, I mean, your, your peer group and who you surround yourself with is, is critical. Right? Absolutely. Undoubtedly. I had a question for you um, on the on the land investing that you're getting into. Were you were you when you started getting over to, you know seeing a lot of these deals over the years and then starting to invest yourself? Were you doing you know entitling it and selling it to a developer? Were you chopping it up in smaller chunks? Or we've got a few land deals that we do here and there, but I'm curious what your approach was there. Yeah, this was really on the entitle hold, and then uh, well, I'll give one example of a deal that we did. It was a, a six and a half acre project on a golf course. It's on a mm -hmm. thoroughfare uh, that kind of split between the, a thoroughfare and a golf course right there. And we had assembled this land. We put together two or three parcels, assembled the land, total of six and a half acres, went and got it entitled for a uh, office development. We were going to put, I think, eight buildings on this, including uh, at least one of them that at the time was going to be executive suites. We're going to build an executive suite building on there and, and own and operate that. And on the others, we're going to build and sell off the pads on, on the office pads, what we're going to do. And that particular deal happened uh, to kind of come together right in that 2007, 2008 timeframe. Mm -hmm. And of course, the commercial real estate market fell apart in 2008. Sure. And, and that development just sat dormant for, for years. So we had closed on that land in, in 08. I actually sold my interest in that probably 2009, I ended up selling my interest, my, my partner in that stayed as, as GP and he and the guy that I sold it to kind of stayed in the deal and just sat on it for years. And, and finally, it's now developed into what had been envisioned there. It's, it's this nice little medical office development, beautiful thing that offices on the golf course. But yeah, it nice. took a while. Fin so, it finally happened. <laughs> it just took a while. <laughs> it just took a while. Yeah, it's funny what a downturn will do to you, especially in the yeah. land business. No kidding. No cash flow. No real asset other than the dirt. Just a dream. We, right? we call them alligators because they still eat. Right? There's taxes. They there's, still eat. There's taxes and expenses <laughs> every single year. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, that's interesting. Thanks for indulging me there and, and, and on that piece. Um, I want to get into some of these other projects that you're in because it's so fascinating to me. Uh, you know, the laundry business. I remember in college, this is many years ago. Somebody did a presentation on kind of a pro forma for a laundry business. And I thought, wow, that there's me and a buddy sitting next to each other thought we should, we should go into that business. Never did, but that piqued my interest uh, many years ago. So how did you get into the, the laundromat business? And it sounds like you guys have kind of a differentiator here. Uh, love, love to kind of dig in and, and unpack that. Yeah. The story of laundromat is kind of fascinating and it's, like so many things in life, it's almost happenstance how, sure. how things come around. Yep. But I was looking, I had a, a friend of mine that asked if I would like to invest in a deal with him in Abilene, Texas. That's where our Cole Williams office is. And he uh, 
had a daughter going to school out there. He said, hey, I'm thinking about buying a shopping center. Would you like to be a partner in that? I said, okay, I'm interested. Let, let's look at it. And he had, he had just put this building under contract. And so what I was doing is I was looking for tenants for this center. We had about uh, 7,000 square foot of vacancy in, in the center. And I was frankly shopping for tenants. And I came across a laundromat group at a conference I was at. And I showed them this, this site in this building. I said, hey, what would you guys think about this location? And they said, well, let me take a look, get back to you. And they got back to me and said, man, this location's a home run for a laundromat. And so I was like, dynamite, what, what would you need? And like, well, we need a 10-year lease. We need you know, secure the property for 10, le- 10 years. I'm like, this is sounding great as a landlord. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, so I was like, hey, sign here, press hard. You know, let's do a deal. <laughs> and what I ended up learning, and I had no idea at the time, what I learned is the guy I was talking to was not, in fact, a, a laundromat operator. He was he worked for, he was a manufacturer's rep for the equipment company. And uh-huh. I just didn't know this when I was talking to him, but he was a wealth of knowledge and was, was talking to me and educating me about the industry. And that particular building didn't work out, but I ended up um, uh, going under contract with uh, another buddy of mine, a, a business partner of mine on another building, a half a mile down the road. Right. And so we knew that the laundromat, should work well in that area. And so uh, we started visiting with this guy, this manufacturer rep. I said, okay, what does it look like to be uh, an owner of a laundromat? What do the economics look like? And so much like what you and your friend did years ago, looking at the, the economics of it, we started studying the economics. And this particular partner of mine and I are very similar. We're, we're great starters. We're great uh, at the vision, at the overall concept of something, but neither one of us had the bandwidth to be the operator of, right. of the laundromat. And so we ended yep. up going to a third gentleman that uh, I've known for many, many years and have been, frankly wanted to be in business with for years. And we kind of talked to him. We said, hey, how'd you like to explore this industry with us and, and potentially be our operator? And so that started our journey of, of learning about the business. We went to a couple of different conferences and and just started learning about it. And um, uh, fast forward, we opened, we, we, I mean, we ended up coming with an entire business plan on what we wanted to do. The three of us uh, had all wanted to be kind of in business together for a while. And we'd wanted to do something that could really be impactful. Um, we certainly wanted something that would be profitable, but just running a profitable laundromat wasn't really appealing to us. We wanted something that we could have an impact with. And so we came up with a concept of of what we envision we'd like to one day be the chick-fil-a of laundromats uh like where the little kids drive by like "Ah, i want to go there so in our laundromat we've got a dedicated children's play area inside of our laundromat area where kids can come and play they've got toys they've got puzzles they've got things they can come play with and adjacent to that is a reading area for the children so literacy is really important And, and crazy thing is in the world of laundromats or many of the communities where laundromats might be located, there's a stat out there that says that one in 300, I think it was one in 300 homes um, would have books in their home in these, these communities. That blew my mind when I heard like my son in our home has 300 books here. Sure. That that we have for himself. Right. And they're like one in 300 have books. So the other 299, they're just 
their families that are struggling and getting by and they're not reading to their children. So for us to, to have a dedicated reading literacy center for kids was really important to us. So we built that into our plan as well. And the other thing kind of we built in is, is we have some really large picnic tables that are all together so that families, when they're doing their laundry, they can come in, sit down, have a pizza, uh, or just sit down and visit with each other or watch the, we, we have uh, six TVs up in our, our laundromat facilities and uh, our staff knows that on those TVs, they're very specific channels that the TVs are to be on. There's no daytime TV. There's no soap opera. There's no news, yep. frankly, it's good positive programming <laughs> that's on our, our channel. So, so we're there to serve our community, to be a, a beacon of positivity to be a beacon of literacy and learning in the community. And so that was kind of part of our founding mission right there. We opened up our first one about eight months ago and it's, it's growing and doing quite well. You know, COVID certainly hit a lot of our uh, families and our, 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 cu- our customers that come in. Um, they, you know, a lot of those folks are hourly employees at businesses that were really um, hit hard by, by coronavirus and COVID. So, uh, we've experienced some downturn, but it's interesting. We've had seven weeks of positive month-over-month growth right now, and we continue to grow and continue to thrive and, and do well, even in the environment of a pretty challenging economic environment. And in fact, we just put a building under contract this week that we're starting to do assessments on for our, our second location. Uh, and so kind of excited about that sort of process and continue growing the the laundromat empire. I love it. That's fantastic. And I love the vision for that. Uh, and that you had it from the get go to, to, to instill this It's fantastic. Are you guys just doing this with your own capital? Or are you bringing on investors to those projects? Now we we've got some investors in our project. So, yeah. uh, we, we are, we're doing them right now. So we'll go back to our, all of our investors from location number one, for, for location number two, if we need to go for, for outside investors, we will as well. And we sure. crazy thing is we've been approached, you know, we have one location and we've been approached probably 25 times already about wow. franchising and wow. people that have reached out to us saying, Hey, you know, are you going to franchise? Are you, we're going to look at mm-hmm. something else. And so our, our intent is, is really to get three to five opened up and sure. dial in our systems, dial in our models, really get the layout. Well, we already know, many, many changes from store number one to store number two that we're going to do for the layout and how we're sure. going to do it. So we're going to open up three to five, dial in our systems, and then we probably will look at some type of licensing or franchise model to really roll out in scale growth. Yeah. Love it. Great model for you guys as the, as the owners and the proprietors there. Fantastic. Well, appreciate the overview. That's, that's definitely outside my wheelhouse. And I, and I love hearing entrepreneurs that are doing new cool things. Um, and so speaking of that, I'll, I'll transition here to the app, uh, Legacy of Love. This is a parent to child journaling app. You mentioned before the call here that you're super passionate about it. What is it and what, you know, how did this come about? I am. I'll, so I have you know, my greatest role and charge in this world is that of husband and father. And I am married to the woman of my dream. And I've got, I've got three children. I've got a 17-year-old daughter, Grace, a 16-year-old son, Knox. And then Amber and I have a four-year-old son together, Kai. You may see him running around here in a minute. <laughs> uh, I'm working from the house today. But uh, so I've got three kids and when, when Grace was just one year old and Knox was still in the womb, 
I was trying to figure out, you know, what could I do that, that would be impactful for my children. I had a lot of great advice when, uh, you know, when I were thinking about kids and, and having kids, a lot of great advice from people, including, you know, never let a day go by without telling your children how much you love them and about treasuring the moments because they pass so fast. And I know there's a aphorism that says something along the lines of, of the, the days pass slowly, but the years fly by. Right. And I recognized that as a reality early on uh, in my journey as a father. And so I wanted to think, what can I do to capture kind of moments that were happening in our lives so that they wouldn't just evaporate and be gone. And uh, my attorney at the time, and it kind of started with, with something my attorney had done. He was uh, really into video. And he told me, he said, Ken, let me tell you what I do for my kids. He had two young boys at the time. Uh, he would shoot a ton of video in his household. At the end of every year, he would splice together one minute of video per month. So he'd have 12 minutes worth of video, put it to music and put it on a DVD and give it to his kids of this is your life in 2007, right? Wow, cool. Uh, I love how it. cool was that? But I didn't shoot video. I didn't own a video camera and I damn sure didn't know how to edit video. I still don't, <laughs> right? All sure. these years later, I didn't know. I, I, I still don't. And I thought, what, what could I do? And I said, well, one thing I can do is I can write, right? I can journal. I can write to my children and, and save the stories. And so I made a simple yet really powerful commitment. This is when Grace was one, Knox was still in the, in the womb. I committed to write once per month to each of my children and just write one story about what had happened in their life during that month. And I started, this was back in, in 2000 and probably two, 2003 timeframe when I first started this. And I've kept that commitment for now 17 years. I, it, it, it started from just one or two stories, then it was dozens of stories. And then it's eventually become hundreds of stories and I, over the years, I told so many parents, especially other dads, about this kind of thing, but even, even other moms too, who were like, man, that is such an aha moment for me. And they wanted to start doing the same thing. So they would start journaling to their own children. And, and I got so much reward. I still get so much reward when people will text me pictures of their journal that they're doing for their own children. And that would happen. And then as the years went on, more and more people were like, Ken, you need to do something with that concept and that idea. You need to create something to make it easy for other parents. And that was the birth of what's now Legacy of Love. And so we created um, an app. It's, it's a parent to child journaling app. I say parent, it's a person to person because it could be grandparent, it could be parent, but it's a person to person journaling app that is, is a, a safe, secure, digital place for folks to capture moments, memories, and lessons before they fade from memory with the passage of time. Because what we know to be true is, right, your kid will say or do something, you think, oh, I'm going to remember that forever. And then, yeah. and then it's not a week or two later, you're like, what was that that they did that was so cool that I, I swear I'd remember it forever and I, I can't even remember right now. But this app we've created allows you to easily capture those moments. Um, and, and then the, the beauty of this is there's texture with it. You can capture those moments and include photo or video or audio, even save voicemails. Like, I don't know, six months ago or something. So I was having 
you know, a pretty crappy day overall. It was, it was just a bad, yeah, every once in a while I just have bad days. And I was having yep. this really bad day, feeling kind of beat up. And my daughter called and left me the sweetest little voicemail. And it was just her calling to check in and say, hey. And she knew I was having a crappy day. And it was just her to call in and say, hey, I love you. Why do you know that I was thinking about you? That little voicemail, I mean, it changed every, it shifted my whole paradigm for that day, right? It made me feel so much better. And so I, I, I jumped in her journal. I, I wrote her a quick note about how important it was for me to hear those words. And then I saved that voicemail for her so that one day when I pass this on to her, she'll be able to listen to that. And more importantly, she'll be able to see how important that was in my day and what a difference it made. And all along this whole process, um, it was never meant to become an app, actually. It was just meant to be a way for me to save these stories. And my intent all along was that at, at each child's high school graduation, it would be 18 years of your life through my eyes. And it's going to be my gift to each of them. And so Grace graduates next year. It's crazy. It's coming <laughs> up in, you know, in less than a year now, she'll be graduating. Right. And, she, and she's going to get this entire collection of stories of her life that starts from when she was one year old and will take all the way up to her high school graduation. That is fantastic. Does she know or is this going to be a surprise? She knows now. Now, I was right. never going to tell them about this. It was just all super private. But the fact that we've created an app and we're, we're scaling and growing and, and talking about talking it. Sure. To you. So, so they know, um, my children know that, that what Legacy of Love is. They, right. they know about it. They, in fact, they talk about it and they promote it to other people. They help other people. But they've never seen one entry that I've made to right. any of them. And, and so yeah. it, it, I hope, will be as impactful to them as it's been for me just to uh, participate in over the years. Yeah, that's tremendous. I love it. What a cool concept. And do you, so when did you guys launch and what's the current, you know, kind of state of things with the app? Yeah, we launched last May is, is yep. when we kind of launched the app. And by October of last year, I just, I started to realize that I'm not a tech guy. <laughs> so I'd hired a tech team to, to build this app sure. for me. And yep. by October last year, I realized that things were getting kind of wonky and not working so well. So we had to go and, and completely rebuild the app. So I, I fired our initial tech team. We hired a new team, totally rebuilt the app. And uh, man, now it's just smooth and slick and beautiful. And, and so we're growing and scaling. We have uh, roughly about 2,600 subscribers so far. And so yeah. we're, we're growing right now at about a rate of you know, 90 to 125 a week. Right? That's there. really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It, it, it's a neat thing. And the neat thing for me is the feedback I get from yep. the parents that are doing it and using I it. Because I, I encourage them to email me and tell me about what's working. And I can see analytics and, and what, you know, how many people are saving photos and videos and stuff. It's really neat. That's, that's awesome. What's really cool about that platform too is like one more user doesn't really equate to a big cost, right? I mean, there's, and then your who's your market, right? Parents in the planet earth. I mean, that's a pretty good. Yeah. Market. We ran a, uh, b before we, uh, actually I have an, an investor in, in, in the program with him before he came in and, and put his money and he said, can I want to run a, uh, a market study to kind of validate the potential market? Sure. And it, it blew me away. Like I had pretty big, thoughts of what it could be. But the market study came back and said that, you know, if 
people are exposed to this idea and the concept, there's up to about 70 million people in the world that would, um, that, that based on this survey and the market study, they said, hey, we would, uh, we would buy that app. You know, that's right. something that, that we would want to do. And, and so that's, uh, it's encouraging that there's that kind of market. And it's daunting to, to get to think of how do we get from, you know, 2600 to millions, but our, our, right. our mission is to be able to help 10 million families to really leave their legacy, capture moments and, and change the trajectory of their children's lives. Yeah, I love it. I love that the, the goal is quantified there. And obviously, you guys are off to a good start. So with all this stuff going on, Ken, you got you still got the brokerage, right? Or the, the KW brokerage? Yes. Yep. And then you've got the app and the laundromats. What, what do you say? Um, what's your week look like, you know, between all these different things? Is it mostly one thing? Is it doing what you feel like that day working on different pieces? Or, how, you know, as an entrepreneur? No, I typically and- have the days divided up into yeah. different components. So Mondays, I spend a lot of time on the KW offices right there. Uh, yep. it's, it's interesting. So with coronavirus and when that came, there's one big benefit I'll say to that. And um, number one, we jumped into daily huddles with my leadership team from, from our Kelly Williams office. And you know, we were having once a week meetings and then it moved to daily huddles. And now we, we've throttled that back. So we have twice a week huddles plus our normal once a week meetings. So I've got, um, you know, three hours per week that I'm really digging in with just with my leadership team on that. Sure. And so, um, but Mondays are, are the days where I spend a lot of time on, on the KW side. And then most of my day on, on the rest of the week, uh, much of that is spent spent on, on the app. I spent a lot of time. There's, there's just an immense amount of, of work to be spent in, in building our subscriber base and updating developments and whatnot. So I spent a lot of time on the app. And then of course, right now we just moved in under contract this week for a location for our next laundromat. So I have an operating partner that runs the business. We meet twice a week. Uh, The three of us as partners, we meet twice a week. Um, via Zoom to go over everything that's happening within the laundromat, what are, you know, what's happening with our community focus, our community mission, what can we do next to continue to scale and to grow. Um, but now there will start to pour some more time into this as, as we're evaluating a next site right now. Yeah, I love it. Well, congrats on, on all the success. I have a question for you, you know, as a serial entrepreneur, are you having to rein it, it, you know, are you getting a lot of enjoyment out of starting new things and how do you rein that in? Right. I mean, it, I, I've, I've got to rein myself in from starting a new company or a new venture uh, when there's a real tendency to want to do that. Is that something that you, that you have kind of come up against? It's a great question. And, and I say it's a great question because it's something I've struggled with a lot is, right. um, and I have other things that are presented to me and, and that come my way. And uh, to be quite honest, like running multiple businesses uh, has caused a great deal of stress in, in parts of my life right there. So sure. I'm, I'm actually very much in the mode right now, not getting into anything new, not doing anything there. And in fact, um, shoring up my leadership teams in the various businesses so that I can spend the vast majority of my time just in one silo, in one yep. channel. Because to be quite honest, I think without that, it's a disservice to each of the businesses to be kind of split amongst them. So I'm, I'm really 
today putting a lot of time into leadership teams and the different components right there so that that they don't require my time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being, uh, you know, transparent about that. Um, you know, I had to make a little rule for myself earlier this year. I said no new entities this year, unless it's, unless I'm buying a property, but like I had started so many things and it's great. And I'm really glad I started them all, but at some point it's like, man, I've, I've just love starting stuff. And so it's not uh, just me. <laughs> no, not at all. Man. Not at all. That's why I wanted to ask you because it's clear that you like starting stuff and different stuff too. the app, laundromat, real estate. I love it, man. You know, uh, I love it. So I appreciate the insight on, you know, how you, how you manage you through that. Um, if somebody- well, I'll tell you this though, and, and um, my mornings start early and intentional. Yep. And it, that's something that I think helps a lot in managing just my overall schedule at most mornings, I'll get up at 3.45 and I'll, you know, I'm sure you've read the Miracle Morning book and, and Ohio sure. and his process there. So um, that book really helps set the, the, uh, the course of my day that, you know, going through the Miracle Morning process will help set the course of my day. And then, at, you know, it, it takes me about an hour to get through the whole thing right there. Um, maybe longer because my exercise will sometimes take an hour just on exercise. Mm -hmm. But the, the other thing I do in the mornings I'm through there is it, there's no one else up. There's no one else demanding my time. Emails aren't demanding my time. It's just That's me. Right. And I'll really look at my calendar and I'll kind of build, I'm a note card guy. And so I will put everything on one note card that will be my list for the day. These are yep. the, the high priorities that I need to get done for the day. And um, having that kind of focus right there really helps me to make sure that I get done the important things that need to get done. I've, I've spent a lot of time over the last couple of years um, forcing myself to get out of my inbox, which is I think one of the most important things I can do for productivity right. is to get out of the inbox. And, and sometimes it physically hurts me to do that because I feel like there's, oh, I need to respond to this. I need to respond to this. Uh, but I am so much more productive when I will spend, uh, you know, multiple hours with email just turned off. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, I mean, each new little hit coming in is a little burst of excitement and then a rerouting of your entire priority for the day. Uh, you know, these tools are fantastic. Social media, email, right. There's so many upsides to it, but we just adopt them wholesale without any, without any consideration of the consequences. Right. Yeah. And, and email can be, uh, you could, yeah, you could spend 12 hours a day, um, but never be done. And, and living in there. So yeah, I love it. I, I love the, I love the idea of being intentional about that and, and stepping away. Um, Ken, this is, this is awesome. I appreciate a little peek. We could talk all day about these entrepreneurial endeavors. This stuff fires me up. Um, I appreciate you sharing some of your story. If somebody listening wants to reach out and learn more, what is there a you know, website or a resource we could point them to and link to yeah, in the show notes? Please come, come check us out at legacyoflove.app. So that's .app. Cool. Legacyoflove.app. You can kind of learn all about Legacy of Love, Laundry Love, that's L-U-V, LaundryLUV.com. Kind of come learn about our laundromat, what we're doing with that. Um, if you want to email me, they can email me at Ken at LegacyOfLove.app and connect with me. I'm on, I'm on Facebook. I think Facebook is Lord Wimberly. I'm on Instagram at Ken.Wimberly as well. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, and I really appreciate you coming on sh- and sharing your story. It was awesome. Thank you, Ken. Grateful for you having me. Thank you so much. All right. Talk soon. Thanks, Devin. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.